I love the truth of that song. And I love how my favorite part about that song is that he's saying that, like, the one that cleans the sanctuary is on the same playing field as the missionary. Amen? Like, when we are being used, we are all equal. We're, used, we're working according to the Lord. Amen? How many of you want to be used by God? Right? Isn't that the heart? Isn't that our hearts cry, Lord, we want to be used by you? Come on, just say that to him for a minute. Come on, in your own words. If you're not used to lifting up your voice, now's the time. Just tell him, Lord, I want to be used by you. Come on, I just want to hear every voice, even if it's a whisper. Lord, I want to be used by you. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to just do a church thing. God, I want to be used by you. Whether it's cleaning the toilets, God. Whether it's gardening outside. Lord, whether it's preaching the gospel. I want to be used by you. I don't want to waste my life. Lord, we're a church that desires to be used by you. Amen. My name's Angie. I'm on a team, an awesome team, called Awake America 365 with Josiah Queen and Deborah Ann. She's my best friend. We get to travel all over the nation and a, a lot of places across the globe. Really, our heart is to see people come from where they are to where God wants them to be. And most of the, everything you hear us say is going to be simple. We don't have some special, hidden, broken code truth of the Bible. We're just going to talk about what's simple, come back to the simplicity of Christ and him crucified and how to walk in it. Amen? Because Jesus is coming back soon. And I don't know about you, but I'm done just doing church. I want to see God move here on this earth. I am so thankful to be at the body. Pastor Graham, Pastor Jeff, and your precious wives, Kim and Amanda, you guys have made us feel so welcome and loved, and it's just a blessing to be here. You guys have some of the greatest pastors that we have ever seen, and we've been traveling for five years to all kinds of churches. That's right. Give honor where honor is due. What's so precious about this church, and then I'll get started, is that you have something that we cry out for the Church of America to have, and that is unity. And I want to tell you something. I changed my message. I had to because one of the things that we talk about first is unity and, and being among each other and, and serving along each other is one of the things we talk about. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit told me they've already got that. I want you to talk about power. Because until you have unity, you cannot walk in the power of God. And so that's what Awake America 365 is all about, is we are, we are a, a, a group of missionaries and revivalists that come alongside churches and basically say what your pastors have already saying, but sometimes you got to know it's not what you hear, it's what you keep hearing, amen? And so that's what we, we do, and before I get started, I want to let you know everything that I talk about, you will see in some teaching tools in the back. I'll talk briefly about some things, and you'll be like, man, I want to know more about the glory of God. I want to know more about how to hear the voice of God. We have some awesome teaching tools in the back, and what I love about these tools, our, our pastor wrote them. He's a great, he's a great preacher. I absolutely love him. And he, um, he writes just like he speaks. You know, for me, I need you to just give it to me plain. I don't want to pick up a dictionary to try to figure out what God is saying. All right. I have to do that enough with the Bible. All right. So with, I love that he, he writes like he, or he, he writes like he speaks. And so these are great devotionals and things. And we do have some specials going on today for only your church. I wrote it down because we decided that we were going to give 
a $60 value for only $40. That's going to be five teaching tools that are normally $10 a piece, or five books and two teaching tools. And then we have a $20 package that's three books and one teaching tool. And obviously, Josiah's shirt is only 20 bucks, which is also a discount, just because we love you guys so much. But I'm going to get right to the Word of God. How many of you brought your Bibles today? Come on, can you pick them up in the air and wave them around? Come on, let's show the enemy. It's time for him to just get out. We got our swords, and we're about to swing them. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We're going to get right, right to the word of God. Sorry. Like I told you, I do believe that this word is for you guys today. It's a special word of God just for you. So I want you to listen to it. I want you to write it down, take notes, because I believe that everything we talk about today can be used in our everyday life. Today, I want to talk about the power of God, what it is and why we need it in our church, why we need it in our lives. People on the streets, our families are not going to be transformed by just words. It's only the power of God that's going to transform lives, that's going to heal marriages, that's going to heal bodies. When people come in from the, from the streets, they don't come in to just hear a motivational speech. They come in to experience the power of God. And that's what I want to talk about, the presence and the power of God today. And Lord, I pray right now that we would experience your power in this place in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So let's read Acts chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 8. Being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, you have heard from me, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not from many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will it be at this time that you'll restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everyone say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. That word power in verse 8 is the Greek word dunamis, which means strength, power, and ability. This is saying that we need the strength, the power, and the ability to do everything we need to do in life. Jesus is saying, don't even go out until you have the strength, the power, and the ability to fulfill the call of God on our lives. This is also telling, me, telling us that without the strength, the power, and the ability from the Holy Spirit, we can't even witness effectively. Jesus said, wait. So point number one I want to make today. The church needs power to evangelize. In verse 4, Jesus commanded them to wait in Jerusalem until they received the promise of the Father. How many of you know the, how many days they waited? The disciples waited in that upper room for 10 days before the power of God came upon them. Sometimes it's hard to get leaders to pray for 10 minutes, much less 10 days. But they knew that this was a promise from Jesus, and they knew that what they were waiting for was worth the wait. We need to pray. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Jesus said, don't even go out without this power. He knew that not only could we evangelize effectively, but we could even evangelize to the point of death. Back then, they were getting majorly persecuted for preaching the name of Jesus. And he was saying, listen, with the power of God, you will have boldness, you'll have strength, 
and you'll have no fear. They had it rough evangelizing. What do we get at most when preaching the gospel? Somebody rolling their eyes at us? Really? That's what we're afraid of. But he says, with the power of God, you could fulfill it. Jesus knew that the power of God would give us boldness of faith, a heart to see souls saved to the point where we wouldn't mind getting uncomfortable. Man, it has been a fantastic weekend. If you guys were there Friday night, I'll just tell you this. The Holy Spirit completely interrupted everything that we had planned. And I will tell you, I do believe that that's because of the unity among your church. And I'll tell you what, unity starts from the head. And you can see that your pastors are so unified that that unity just, and that humility just trickles down on the congregation. So Friday night, we were going to do leadership training. We got through about half of it before the Holy Spirit broke out and all of us were wrecked for like three hours. Because God has a special anointing on this church, and it's going to start with his power. Everyone say power. We need the power of God to evangelize. And then, so Friday night, we received the power of God, and then yesterday, a group of people showed up, and we hit the streets evangelizing, and we saw souls saved. We saw souls saved. We saw people experience the power of God. And that is why we need the power of God. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you may know, everyone say no. What is the hope of his calling? What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the workings of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places? This word power in verse 19 is exousia power, which is superhuman strength. Exousia power superhuman, not of this world. That word know in the Strong's Dictionary means understand and be able to operate in. Paul said, I wish that you would understand and be able to operate in the same power that rose Christ from the dead. Come on, listen, I want you to get this into your heart. If we can operate in the same power that rose Christ from the dead, then when someone has a headache, why are we running to our pocketbook grabbing some Advil? When someone says they're not feeling good, why are we walking away saying, okay, I'll pray for you? Someone said it beautiful the other day. There was a little girl that got hurt, and they went to the hospital, and they said, oh, man, why didn't I just lay hands on her and pray for her to be healed? That's the way we have to think. That should be our first thought. Paul's saying know and understand that it's for you. It's not just for the people in the Bible. It's for you and me, and he wants us to know it. He wants us to be able to go out and evangelize. He wants us to go out door to door, but not just loving on our neighbor. He wants us to operate in the power of God because the power of God says that this is not an earthly message. This is the presence of God. Yesterday, one of the many people that experienced the presence of God, we knocked on their door. Her, her name was Melissa. She's not happy to be here, would she? No, but she's going to come because I'm not going to leave her alone until she comes. But we knocked on her door. She was totally uninterested in talking to me and Pastor Grant and Emmanuel. She was totally uninterested in it. She was just being polite. You could see it on her face. But the Holy Spirit, because we were all prayed up, the Holy Spirit came upon us. And I was able to talk to her about things she did when she was a little girl. And all of a sudden, I had her attention. 
Then I started talking about where she is right now in her life. And her eyes looked right at me and she said, man, you're good. She didn't know. She wasn't talking super spiritual. She was, she was saying, man, are you some psychic or something, you know? She's like, you are right on. You are accurate. Man, you're good. And I just, it just kept going. The Holy Spirit just kept giving me words. Long story short, this young lady, Melissa, gave her life to Jesus right then and there. Because she found out that the Holy Spirit, the God that's madly in love with her, was right there at her doorstep. There was an anointing of power on her life. Listen, when the anointing comes upon your life, do you know what it's for? It's to hide the stinky stench of our humanity and let that person that's in front of us smells the aroma of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? When the glory of God comes upon us, it makes us disappear and it makes people experience Jesus. And when people experience Jesus, that is when they come to know him. That's when they want to know more. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4 really quick. Acts chapter 4. Listen, Christianity is supposed to be fun. It was not supposed to be boring. Evangelism is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be boring. We look at it like, oh boy, I got to share my faith. No, listen, let me tell you something. It's easy to share your faith when you are spending time with the Lord because what goes in must come out. If you want to learn how to evangelize and be more effective in sharing your faith, read the word of God. Spend time in prayer, and I promise you, what goes in will come out, and people will experience Jesus. All right, let's read Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled. I love that. You know what that tells us right there? You don't have to be a Bible scholar or a preacher to be used by God. I want that to sit in for a second. If you're sitting there thinking, you know what, I think I'm supposed to go on the mission field. Man, I think I'm supposed to share my faith. Don't think that you got to sign up for Bible classes first or read so much of the Bible. No, uneducated, untrained men. That means the people listening to them saw that they were uneducated and untrained because they probably stuttered. They probably stumbled all over themselves when they were talking. So don't worry about it. If you got all the wrong words, don't worry. Listen, when the anointing of the Lord comes upon you, you can say your ABCs and someone will experience Jesus. Remember that. Just open your mouth and try it. So they saw that they were uneducated, untrained men. They marveled, and they realized that these men had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been standing there with them, they could not say anything against it. But when they commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among each other, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through through them to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But... So that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they can speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them to speak, to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Signs and wonders happen when we speak the name of Jesus. That word sign in the Greek means proof and authenticity. It means that when you speak, In the name of Jesus, it's like the Holy Spirit comes down and signs his name and says, this is authentic. 
We have power in the name of Jesus. I loved it earlier when Josiah said, listen, if you don't know what to say, just say Jesus. Because every time you speak the name of Jesus, something is happening in the atmosphere. If you're struggling with anxiety, speak the name of Jesus. Something is happening in the atmosphere. The enemy knows that when the name of Jesus is being spoken, something happens. So they said, don't speak in that name. They knew that name was powerful. If the enemy knows that the name of Jesus is powerful, then why are we not using our authority in the name of Jesus? I'll tell you what, the enemy is not going to know more than me about the name of Jesus. And I love how they replied. They said, sorry, we got to speak. What's going in has got to come out. We're going to speak what we've seen and heard because what goes in has to come out. There's power in the name of Jesus. Every time you speak the name of Jesus, he will always show up. Don't ever doubt it. Even if you don't see it, he's moving. I love that song, Miracle, Miracle Worker or whatever that is. Um, but even if you don't see it, you have to trust that he's moving. When I talk about signs and wonders, which we are supposed to operate in, all who believe are supposed to be followed with signs and wonders. Remember that. If you don't see miracles, the people that don't see miracles happening are the people that don't put themselves in a position for the miraculous to happen. I want to tell you right now, if you've never seen a miracle, just put yourself out there and you will see a miracle. One of the reasons is because God loves to show off. He loves to say, I am here. I am alive. Listen, if signs and wonders aren't following us, it's like we're worshiping some dead God. I know that sounds crazy, but it's the truth. My God is alive. And Paul said, I wish you would know and operate in the same resurrection power that rose my God from the grave. That is the God that we serve. One, where when you talk about him, signs and wonders happen. I always, when I'm talking about miracles, and I'll just be honest, I see a lot of miracles in my everyday life because I am addicted to seeing God move. I love it. I can't wait for people to see God move. So when I talk about signs and wonders, I don't talk about the things I seen a few days ago. I talk about the first miracle I ever saw because I don't want people to say, oh, well, you're used to it. You're trained now. You're educated in it now. I want to talk to you about miracles when I was completely ignorant to anything going on in spiritual realm, but I just believed what I read in the Bible. But when I got saved, I was radical. Whatever I read in this Bible, I believed it was for me. When I saw that signs and wonders followed just those that preach the kingdom, I'm like, man, miracles are about to happen in my life. I believed it. I needed to believe it. I lived so much of my life for Satan that I wanted to live even more radical for the rest of my life for Christ. I was not about to miss out on anything. But I heard, it's not true, but I heard that miracles, the big miracles happen in Africa. So what I do, I jumped on the first plane to Kenya. I had a friend there that we met there. We went to an unreached people group, place that no one had ever heard the name of Jesus. And I thought, man, we're going to give these people the gospel. They are going to get saved. It's going to be miraculous. We got up there. And I preached the gospel with everything in me. We did skits. We did these plays. And I'm just waiting for them to just start weeping and break down and crying. But they didn't. They sat back like this with bows and arrows just waiting for us to make the wrong move. They're like, these people, these Mozungus are crazy. That's a white person in, in Kenya. They're crazy. And no, nothing was happening. I'm like, man, this is a hard crowd. So we went to leave because we had a very big trip to, to travel home on. 
And then we went to leave, and the chief talks to my pastor that was there, and he said to him, thank you for coming, in his own language. And he said, and my pastor said, well, before we leave, he's in Brazilian, so I'm going to use my Brazilian accent. Before we leave, is there anything we can pray for? And the chief said, yes, pray for rain. He said, it hasn't rained here in three years. Our cattle is dying. Our people are sick. Children are dying every day. He said, if it rains, we'll worship your God. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put it on my journal to start praying for rain for these people. And then my pastor says, we will pray for rain. It will rain before we leave. And I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> okay. I'm looking up. There's not a cloud in the sky. Giant ball of fire burning us. With this. The sun was so hot that the only precipitation was sweat dripping down my face. No clouds, no nothing. Ground is so hard you can like that on it because and it, and it did not rain there. We get down on our hands and knees, and all we said is, Jesus, Jesus, Lord. All, this was my prayer. I remember like it was yesterday. God, not for me, but for them, that they would know you're real. You control the wind and the rain. Jesus, let it rain. So we got up. We needed to leave in 10 minutes, and there still wasn't a cloud in the sky. So my pastor said, okay, let's do the skit one more time. So we started doing the skit right about the time when it got to the part where Jesus got crucified. I'm so into it thinking we got to go because it's hot. All of a sudden I felt a drop of water on my arm. And I was like, what's that? And I looked up and there's clouds coming from the north, south, east and west coming over us. All of a sudden there was shade around us. And then all of a sudden I'm looking at the kids. They're seeing the water. They've never seen water before. They're looking at the water. And then there was a boom and a lightning that struck, struck probably the first time they'd ever seen that and a supernatural outpouring of rain happened upon, among this country, among this area. You looked over and the dry riverbeds are flowing with water. It had only been raining for like 15 minutes. The chief comes up to my pastor and says, we will worship your God. He picked up a rock and he said, please anoint this rock because this will be the foundation of our church. Two years later, we went back and visited them. There was green grass growing in the middle of a desert. Green grass growing, crops going, beautiful church. And they are jumping up and down, praising the Lord. And we we're like, wow, how did they know that we got there? Because back then there were not cell phones overseas. And we're like, how did you know that we were coming? You're all in your tribal gear. They said, God told us because another supernatural outpouring happened this morning. And then God said, they're coming back. That is the God we serve. And the reason I always tell this story is because I knew nothing but the name of Jesus. If we want to see signs and wonders, we have to put ourselves in a position for something miraculous to happen. And when people see miracles, they believe that what you're saying is God. They can deny what's in this book, but they cannot deny the power of God. Amen? Okay. All right. Turn in your Bibles, please, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. People need to see the power of God on the streets, at work, at the Thanksgiving table, 
Anywhere you're at, the power of God can flow. Anywhere we're at, we can, we can evangelize and tell people about Jesus. We should always be telling people about Jesus. I say this all the time, but the problem is not getting people to come into the church. The problem really is getting the church to get out on the streets among the people. Do you know that it's not your pastor's job to evangelize? I mean, we always give altar calls. Altar calls should always happen. But it's not your, your pastor's job to lead people to Jesus. Deborah Ann said it. She's like, I don't know this morning. She's like, I don't know where it happened. Somewhere along the line, people picked up, hey, do an altar call. And instead of evangelizing, I'll just invite them to church and that's where they'll get saved. No, the book of Acts church started from people going out and evangelizing. And then they came in because they were hungry for more. I'm sorry, I lost my place. But we need to get out of the street, out of our seats and into the streets. All right, point number two. The Lord gives the church power so that it will pray. I'm going to read you an evangelical alliance study. They did a study and it stated that less than 31% of, of Christians actually set aside time to pray. But over 90% believe that without prayer, their faith in God would suffer. 63% of Christians admit to getting easily distracted while spending time with God. 75% say that they mainly do faith on the go, utilizing Bible apps and listening to podcasts of other preachers. No real private time alone. Less than 3% of Christians spend time praying for strangers. Most of their prayers are for Thanksgiving and praying for themselves and family members. And we wonder why we're not seeing more people saved. If the Christians aren't going to pray for strangers and unbelievers, who's going to? Over 90% of Christians believe that the Bible is true and relatable. So tell me, if Christians believe that the Bible is true and relates it to them, then why are we not praying? It's because we're lacking pray power in our prayer life. The church needs power to evangelize. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse 1. Pursue love. Think about that. We have to pursue love. Love doesn't just automatically happen. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Let me say that again. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish all of you spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Turn back in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 2. I hope you guys don't mind that you're turning to your Bibles, but you need the word of God and not just what I want to say. Amen? So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. So this is two types of speaking in tongues, and I'm not going to give a big lesson on it. Your pastors do that enough. But I do want to say that the first controversial thing that people talk about when speaking in tongues is this verse. Oh, they say that you should just prophesy and not speak in tongues. No, they're talking about within the church. When you are in the church and you're speaking in tongues, it doesn't do a ding dong for the congregation unless there's an interpretation. Why? 
because you're talking to God and everybody around you will be completely confused. But Paul later on says, I pray in tongues more than any of you because he knows that it is something, it's a power that we need in our personal, private prayer life. Speaking in tongues in church is for edification of the church when there is an interpreter because that interpreter can say and come into agreement with the person that is speaking to God. But someone who has home, the edification, the act of speaking in tongues at home talking to God says it strengthens us personally. That's power in our prayer life. I know speaking in tongues can be controversial, but Paul said he desires that we all have the gift. We should all desire the gift. Why? Because speaking in tongues strengthens us. Speaking in tongues strengthens our relationship with the Lord. Speaking in tongues strengthens our boldness to go out on the streets and evangelize. That's power in your prayer life. In Romans, you don't have to turn there. In Romans 8, 26, it says, likewise, yeah, chapter 8, 26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession with us in groanings that we can, that cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He's saying, listen, when you don't know what to pray, when you don't know how to pray, pray in the spirit because the spirit is connected with God and he knows knows exactly what you need to pray. If you want to hit the mark every single time you pray, pray in the spirit. When you pray in the spirit, there's no selfish ambition behind your prayers. When there's things going on in your marriage and you don't understand what's going on with your husband or why your wife can't get her act together, pray in the spirit because the spirit knows exactly what's going on and he's always gonna pray the perfect will of God. If you wanna be praying for your children, if they've been running crazy or they're hanging out with the wrong people, pray the perfect will of God. Maybe instead of something happening that that person moves away, maybe all of a sudden that child will come to church with your kid and they'll both start acting like the Lord wants them to act. Pray in the spirit and you will always hit the mark every single time. Also, Paul says pray without ceasing. The only way we can do that is praying in tongues. There's power in praying in the spirit. There's strength in praying in the spirit. How many of you want to see your city saved? Man, we need some power in our prayer life. The Lord knows exactly what's going on in every home. Amen? Before we go out, we always spend a good hour praying in the spirit because I believe as we're praying in the spirit, Holy Spirit is going into those homes. He is saturating, saturating the ground with prayer and the work is already being done before we even get there. We need power in our prayer life. All right, let's read Acts chapter two. I got excited this morning when I started reading this. We're gonna start in verse one. When the day of Pentecost had fully came, they were all with one accord in one place. That's this church right here. But this was a corporate prayer meeting. They were all together and they were praying for the same thing. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. This wasn't 
This was an unseen power that rushed in like a mighty wind. It was the same power that the disciples were waiting on. And it said, then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire that sat upon each of them as they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In just one prayer meeting, 3,000 got added to the church. The church came together in unity. The power of God fell upon the church. Signs and wonders were happening. The youth not only got involved, but they were prophesying. They were getting words of knowledge. They were on fire. If we want our youth to get on fire for the Lord, then as a church in one accord, we need to be crying out to the Lord in the spirit. That's the power in our prayer life. Sometimes we are just lacking the power, and most of the time it's because we're afraid that we, we don't understand it. Paul says it is beyond your understanding. We have a choice. We can get close to God in our understanding or we can get close to the greatness of God way beyond our understanding. I don't know about you, but I want to get as close to him as I can, way beyond my understanding. Amen? I want to see my family saved. I want to see my family not just sitting in church. I want to see them up here preaching one day. I want to see them set off on the mission field one day. And I know by the power of God, that can happen. We got to get serious about our prayer life, church. How serious are you about your prayers? I know me, sometimes I can fall into the routine, but we live in a day and age where bless my chicken nuggets is just not cutting it anymore. You know what I'm saying? End times are happening. Evil is getting worse and worse. They're calling good evil and evil good. We are in those days that the Bible says it's time to get on your knees, come together in one accord and cry out to the Lord. I got a question. I'm going to put you on the spot so pastors take notes. If your pastors was to host a prayer meeting here, how many of you would show up and pray? That's a lot of people. Can you imagine what would happen if this church got together every week and cried out to the Lord in one accord? What would happen to this city? the fire of God would start swelling up in this place and the cold would come in to be heated by the fire of God. Listen, the church needs to be healed. The church needs to be set free and walk in the power of God so that it can leak out into the city. Amen? We need to get together and pray. And when you're praying personally, how are, how are you praying? Do you believe that you're talking to the ear of God? Are you passionate about crying out to the Lord? We believe in crying out to God. You know, do a study. Every time in the Bible it says that the people of God cried out to the Lord, something happened. Every single time. Because when you cry out, you're crying from a place of desperation. How much are you crying out for your pastors? Listen, if you think that you are being attacked, I promise you, your pastors are being attacked triple threats and their families because the enemy wants nothing more than for them to shut these doors or for them to not hear the word of God, for them to be buckled down with depression. But if the church got together and cried out to the Lord for their pastors, the enemy would let go of them and they would run. It's time we get serious about our prayer life. Every time we bow our knees, we should be crying out to the Lord. I challenge you, 
wherever you're at in your prayer life, take it up a notch. Just try it. Take it up a notch and watch what happens. If you were walking up to your house, you just got home from work, and you looked in the window, and fire was bellowing out one of the windows, and you knew your child was in that window or someone you loved was in that window, and you called 911, what would you say? Yeah, uh, I just got home from work, and man, it looks like there's a fire in my house. If y'all could get here. No, that's not what you'd say. You say, get here, get here quick. The one I love is bursting into flames right now. You gotta get here. You need to do something. It's an emergency. And then the one on the other end believes that you trust that he can do something about it. That's the way we have to cry out to the Lord. Do you wanna see change in your marriage? How many of you right now need something big in your life? I mean, you, you need something big. You got a miracle that you need in your life. Raise your hand. Look at that. That's a lot of hands. The measure in which you truly care, the measure in which you truly believe that God can make a change is the same measure in which you cry out to the Lord. My sister was addicted to drugs. I mean, serious intravenous drugs, heroin, you name it. She would rob every medicine cabinet for drugs every time she came over, and she'd shoot them up in her arm. She didn't care what they were. Eight years. I did everything in my power to get her off of those drugs. And I'll tell you what, when you do stuff in your power, nothing happens. And then one day I got on my knees, and I was like, oh, God, I can't do this anymore. I need you. And he said, finally. You'll move out of the way so that I can do something. Long story short, about a week later of crying out to God with everything that is in me, getting other women at the church to come to the altar and cry out to the Lord. I'm telling you, within one week of getting serious about my prayer life, my baby sister walked through those doors, came up to the altar, strung out, sweating, black circles under her eyes, and got on her knees and lifted her hands and said, God, I need you. She surrendered her life to Jesus. All the women that had been pray and come around her, laid hands on her, and I'll tell you what, my sister right now is one of the most powerful women of God you will ever meet, completely delivered from those drugs. She never once went to a rehab, not that I am against them, but she got radically changed. It's because I stopped trying to chase her around and do things in my own power, and the same measure that I truly cared, I spent that time on my knees, and God changed things around. There was power in my prayer life. I remember when I first started going to church and they started talking about power and speaking in tongues, I was like, God, I came from a very religious background. I won't tell you where it came from, but I'd never seen Jesus, okay? Let me just tell you that. I always seen like beating me head over, with a head over the Bible. Love God or you're going to hell. Love God or you're going to hell. I never knew Jesus. So when I came to church, the church that I'm in now, they started talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And I was like, I want everything this church has but that, God. That's it. I want everything but that. But they kept doing a study and everything they were doing, I saw, I saw my church walking in miracles. I saw my church feeding the hungry. I saw my pastor loving his wife. I saw families coming together. I saw people being healed all the time and missionaries being sent out. And I'm like, okay, there's got to be something to this baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And so I was like, okay, God, if it's you, I want it. Who would be honest and say you do not speak in tongues, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up here. I just want to see. It's okay. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm speaking to you right now. And so I went home and I was like, God, I, if it's you, I want it. If it's you, I want it. I don't understand it, but if it's you, I want it. And I felt something happen in me like a desire. I put my knees up in my chair and I sat there and I let it come out as a whisper because listen, nothing forces you to speak in tongues. If you think that when you're, people laid hands on you and you're like, nothing happened, and you're, but because you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to just take over your tongue and start rattling it off, no, that doesn't happen. He is not a forceful God. He is, he's moving by faith. It's a partnership, okay? If I want Kelly to be healed, I'm going to pray for him, yes, but if I want to be a part of that healing, what am I going to do? I'm going to walk over and I'm going to lay hands on Kelly. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit activates. Same thing with speaking in tongues. If you want to speak in tongues, you want to operate in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you start moving. Say anything. Let a whisper come out. That's what I did. I let a whisper come out. I was like. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on me. I was speaking in tongues for an hour. I'm like, man, I got to jump out of this and get some work done. But don't be afraid of it. When you act, the Holy Spirit activates. And then after that, then I started seeing things happen in my life. I started seeing depression melt away. I started seeing anxiety melt away. And my life was stronger and stronger with the presence of God. If we want to see what the book of Acts saw, we need to do what the book of Acts did. Amen? The Bible says... In 2 Corinthians 7, 14, we believe that the power of prayer will change everything. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal the land. Change takes place when people pray. My last and final point, we need power to live out an everyday life. Power of God is not just for ministry. You need the power of God to be a good wife. I'll confess right now, I need the power of God to submit to my husband. I can't do that naturally because everything in me is a strong woman wants to take control. A husband needs the power of God to love his wife like Christ loved the church, to not lord over her or rule over her. You need the power of God to be a mom to a toddler. <laughs> Amen? That stuff don't happen naturally. We need the power of God to raise teenagers. We need the power of God to love each other. We need the power of God to forgive each other. Ooh, I just felt something when I said that. Some of you in here right now are struggling with forgiveness. Unforgiveness is in your heart and it's preventing you from walking in all that God has for you. Ooh, I feel it really strong. The power of God wants to come upon you right now so you can let that stuff go. Well, Angie, it's very easy for you to say, but you don't know what they did to me. No, maybe I don't but he does. No one knows rejection like Jesus. No one knows hurting someone 
being hurt when you don't deserve it like Jesus. No one knows being stabbed in the back or spit on like Jesus. Jesus was completely innocent. All he did was love people, feed people, raise people up from brokenness, take away shame, take away everything from the past and give them a new life. And what they do, they chained him up. They dragged him through the courtyard. They mocked him in front of everyone. They kicked him. They ripped his beard out of his face. They spit on him and they nailed him to a cross. And what did he say? Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then he's looking at you and he's saying, listen, it's your turn. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. The enemy is after you. Let that stuff go. Don't hold on to that anymore. Listen, can everybody just bow their heads right now, just for privacy? If that's you and you're struggling with unforgiveness, no one looking around, just you, I just want you to stand to your feet right now. And as you stand to your feet, that stuff's going to wash away. Whoo, there it went. Whew, there it went. Oh, man, I feel the enemy running out of this place. Yes, amen. Whoo, I feel the presence of God so strong right now. There's another one. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. Let that stuff go. You don't have to hold on to it. The Lord is saying, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. Let go of the past. Let that stuff go. Don't even think about the past. I'm doing a new thing. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. Come on, stay. Stay standing to your feet. The Lord's doing something, but there's another one. Stand to your feet. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, don't miss out. The only one that is hurting right now is you. That person's done and walked away from it. And the enemy's trying to hold you back. But in the name of Jesus, there it is. In the name of Jesus, chains be released right now in the name of Jesus. You have no power over these children of the living God. It is coming off right now. Woo, the Lord's saying, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I know that that wasn't easy. I know that this isn't easy, but I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I'm wiping off that battle. That weight is being removed from your shoulders right now. I never asked you to carry that weight. It is coming off right now. Freedom in the name of Jesus. You can have a seat. Before I go any further, I have a question. Because I never leave a congregation without asking. The truth is, the death rate is one per person. We're all going to die one day and we're all going to stand before a holy God. And he's going to look at us and he's going to ask you something. Why should I let you into heaven? What would be your answer? Well, Angie, I'm a good person. No, the Bible says that there's not one that's perfect other than Jesus. 
that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and not one sin can enter into the gates of heaven because God is there, he reigns there, he's holy, he's perfect and no sin can be near him. That sin has separated us from the Father but the good news is that Jesus is so madly in love with you and God sent him to die on the cross and take your place so that when you stand before God, you are completely perfect without sin. If that's you and you wanna know for sure that your sins are forgiven and that you are clean and ready to stand before the Father, innocent. I want you to raise your hand right now and I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just lift your hand high in the air and I'm going to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm going to ask again, come on, if that's you and you want to know for sure, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. And now you, I've met people that have been going to church for years but never surrendered to Jesus and said, I'm done doing my own thing and I want to follow Christ with everything I have. I want to walk in this power, but first I want to surrender. If that's you, lift your hand high in the air and I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. All right, for the sake of those few, let's all pray together right now. And it's not the prayer that's saving you. It's the decision that you're making in your heart. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And you paid the price for my sins. Thank you for saving me. And now I know I'm going to heaven. And I'm going to live forever. Listen, before we close, and then you guys can go ahead and leave or whatever pastor wants to do, but we're going to remain up here praying. If you're saying to yourself, you know, Angie, I believe in this power that you're talking about. I believe in this power of God that you're speaking of, but I've just never walked in it, and I want it. I want you to run up to this altar right now. Or maybe you're saying, you know what? I used to walk in the power of God. I used to lay hands on the sick. Man, I used to be in love with sharing my faith, but I just kind of fell away. Life just kind of got in the way. I want you to run up here to this altar, the Lord is going to refire you again in the name of Jesus. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I don't really understand speaking in tongues. I don't really understand it all, but I do know because the word says it's beyond my understanding and I want that. I want you to get out of your seat and walk up here to this altar and we're going to pray for you. You should never think about what man says, but always keep your eyes on the Father. I know there's people that want to walk up here, but they're worried about what the person next to them will say. Just brush that off. Thank you, Jesus. As always, do normally just takes one to break it. That's right. Enemy, you see that? We're going to walk in all that God has for us. We're going to be a church on fire. We're going to be a church set free that doesn't worry about what man says, but we're going to walk in all that God has for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to be praying. I'm going to put down the microphone. I'm going to give it to Pastor Grant, and we're going to be praying. But if there is an unction inside of you right now to come up here to this altar and receive a fresh fire, I want you to walk down to this altar. As, as she's praying, I, can I share a testimony with you? I would like to share my testimony with you. 
I grew up in a church where speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit moving, it was, it was a normal thing, right? But just because it was a normal thing for everybody else didn't mean that it was a normal thing for me. I was nervous about it. I was looking, I was looking on like there was something, you know, like the greatest mystery movie ever was on. I'm just mouth wide open, sitting on the edge of my seat, wondering what's gonna happen next. And then I got older, I was a teenager, and some of you heard the story before about Pastor Jeff and me really giving my life to God. But as I got older, I began to recognize that when I was in the midst of a church service, something actually was different about the atmosphere. Like, there was literally a difference. I don't care about everything else that was going on, but it was like that, like, gaping mouth open thing where I'm like, like, I begin to, I begin to like be like, you know, wait a second, you know, like I would feel chills, you know, I would get the goosebumps on my arm and I'm like, okay, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe this isn't just a show, right? So I got a little bit older and, and like I said, you know, you've heard the story, Pastor Jeff, you know, he's like, what's keeping you from Jesus? Like, what's really keeping you? And I'm like, you know, I got, you know, just stupid stuff. He's like, then let that junk go. And I'll never forget, man, he prayed for me. And, and here's the deal. Watch this, watch this. I just want to tell you, I didn't know, I didn't know who I was sitting in the midst of. I was 16 years old and, and I did not comprehend yet that there was a difference between this congregation of people and this congregation of people just to make it plain for you you know denominational right I didn't I didn't realize there was a difference so when Pastor Jeff prayed for me and I knew like something hit in me man something hit me and I begin to cry and I'm like oh God thank you Jesus thank you Jesus and I stood up and I just begin to groan and I'm like oh God thank you and I'm just crying at the top of my lungs and I realized that there are other people looking at me and like you know, Pastor Jeff didn't stop. He kept doing whatever he was doing. So I guess that was okay. Now, I'm not telling you I, I went into speaking in the tongues because I didn't. But what I do know is that's when I recognized there was something different happening with me than some of the other people. That was the first time I seen that there was a difference. Now, I'm not saying they didn't love God anymore or nothing like that, but there was a difference. So then I went to somebody else's church, right? As a youth, I was, I, I had friends, so I went to other people's churches, okay? So I went to another church, and this friend's church, oh man, from the start, the organ hit, and they were, you know, dancing in the aisles, and, and I was like, that was a bit more than I was used to, but I was okay with it. I was okay with it. And some of the people begin to speak in tongues and I begin to see miracles happen and things were happening. And I'm like, that's, that's real. I couldn't speak to everything that was going on, but I knew there was something, you know, when you begin to see something happen here, 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 and it's matching, you know, that's real. There may be some other things that are happening. You're like, uh, I'm not sure, but that is real. 
And I was like, God, just like Angie, I remember it. Just like Angie, I said, I want that. I don't know what that is, but I want that. And then God began to take me into the scriptures. And that scripture where Paul said that all, that you should all want the gift, you should all desire to speak in tongues. Man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, I went to my mom, I said, mom, I said, what's, I said, what's this mean? Like I'm, like it's a gift and I'm supposed to desire. And she said, yeah, baby, you're supposed to desire. I was like, okay, ma. So man, I went in the room and I was like, Lord God, I want this. I get chills right now just thinking about it. I was like, I want this. Ozzy, because I want to operate in all that you have for Pastor, well, I wasn't Pastor Dwayne, I'm sorry, but I want all that you have for Dwayne. Man, it got good from there. Listen, I went to another church. It was a, a revival of some sort. And the first day up, my cousins was there, and one of my cousins was like, I want the Holy Spirit. So she goes up, and she's getting prayer. She came back. She was speaking in tongues. At the same time she prayed that, I had prayed the same thing. I was like, Lord, I want to speak in tongues. I had been praying it since that moment when I read and I believed. But I didn't get it. So I'm like, God, am I doing something wrong? Am I missing something? Another one of my friends went up, prayed, boom, came back, was speaking in tongues. And I'm like, oh. I went to my mom. I'm like, Mom, I don't understand. I'm trying to figure this out. Like, you know, day three. My mom told me, she said, she said, Listen, I have a nickname, and I because I want to make this personal for I want you to be right there with me, right? She said, "Big, listen to me." She said, "When you when you when you begin to speak in tongues," she said, "Honey, when you was a baby," she said, "You didn't just come out learning and knowing how to talk." And I said, "I, I know, but I thought I thought that it was like God hits you and you just," uh. and she said, "No, honey, no." She said, God has always been there. And I knew that was a fact, right? Because I remember filling him. She said, you have to begin to open your mouth and let it go. And I was like, okay. Night three of the convention, we go there and there's a woman there. Y'all know some of you may know her name's Wynina Bynum. I'll never forget it, God. I'll never forget it. Where she's like, she's like, if you want the Holy Spirit, I want you to come up here right now. I want you to fill this altar. This was a massive church, a massive church. It was a line from like one end to the other end up front, and we're standing up there, and we're waiting. And this lady starts at the other end of the thing, and I promise, I promise to you, she was like, I'm not going to touch not one person because I don't want anybody to say that I pushed anybody down. She had a handkerchief, and she walked by, and she just Mm, and she's just praying for him, praying for him, mm, mm, waving the handkerchief. And I promise she got halfway down this line. And it's a long way. I'm not talking like that wouldn't be halfway. A, a wall over there would be halfway to where I'm standing. And it was like the closer she got to me, it was like I couldn't stand still. I'm like, jeez. Oh, oh, and, and I remember what my mom said. I'm like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I just want you, Jesus. I just want you, Jesus. I just want you, Jesus. Lord God, I just want you. And this is my personal time. It was between me and him. I wasn't preaching. I didn't have a microphone. So it was okay in that moment that I'm just here. I'm like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And, and like she got closer and closer. She didn't have no microphone or nothing like that. I couldn't hear anything she was doing. But man, I'm telling you what. I know she was probably about three people away from me. 
three people away from me, and I mean, it's intense. I'm, I'm like, I'm about to come out of my shoes. And, and I heard, I heard, she was like, she was like, let it go, let it happen, let it go. And I promise, she wasn't in front of me. I'm, I'm almost 100% positive she was not in front of me. But something in me said, I'm done, it's over. And my Jesus went to, I was speak. I started to speak and mumble. I just, you know, just like a, a chatter of my teeth almost. And I'm just, and it's just starting to come out of me. And I mean, I started to run in place. And I mean, I, I promise if I could have flew, I would have took off and flew around that sanctuary. And then, and it was just like, and finally, I know she was in front of me. She was in front of me at that point because I, I felt her, the wind from her handkerchief. And I went down. It wasn't, it was, I promise it wasn't like, oh, there it is, let me go down. I was so up, I was so high, and I went down, and, and then, uh, uh, I don't know how long, I came to, and there was this, this little old lady standing next to me and my mom, and they're all like, bless him, Lord, bless him, bless him. And I came to, and she was like, are you okay? Are you good? And there was somebody else younger, I don't know if it was my sister or who, but somebody else younger was like, Man, you just stepped on this lady right here. Like, you totally walked all over her. And I was like, I'm, I looked at her, I said, I'm so sorry. She said, oh, no, baby, I was fine. She said, I was in the spirit. I was out in God. I was in the spirit. You, I, listen, I woke up, like, I looked up, and yeah, you stepped on me, but I didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. It didn't bother me none at all. She was like, all I could do is get up and begin to praise with you. I will never forget that. And ever since then, ever since then, like Angie said, I, I begin to pray. When I would pray, I didn't know what to pray, but I would pray and, and the spirit of God would begin to pray. I would speak in tongues. I would pray in tongues. And, and simple things like my sister came over. Not long after all this happened, my sister came over, she had a headache. She was like, oh, I got a migraine, I got a migraine, I got to go, I can't stay. And I was like, you know what? Can I pray for you? It was the first time ever, but I felt, I, I, it was like God was like, this is it, this is, this is it, go. And I walked over and I was like, Lord, you know, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I don't know what to pray. He said, don't, don't say nothing, you just put your hands on her. I put my hands on her and I just was like, I just thought to myself, I was like, God, this is, I'm thinking to myself, God, this is you, uh, heal her, heal her. You don't want her to have this headache, heal her. My sister got in the car, she left. She called me back about an hour later. She was like, Dwayne, I forgot to tell you. She said, by the time I got in my car, my migraine was gone. She was like, and it just, I just, it just hit me. Like, you need to call him and tell him. She said, I wanted to confirm what God had done through you. She said, I believe you have a gift. But you know what? From then on, I continued to walk in that. I continued to step out in that. But you know what? The enemy would not, he wouldn't leave me alone. He would tell me over and over and over, that's not you. You're faking it. Oh, you're going to go lay hands on that person and 
it's not going to work and you're going to look like an idiot. I'm a teenager all by this time, from 16 to about 18 years old. But I kept stepping out. I kept stepping out. I was about 20, 25 years old. I was about 25 years old. And, and I'm just sharing my testimony with you about the, the power of the Holy Spirit. This was my, this was my journey. Some of you heard my, my wife's testimony, but about 25 years old, I had met my wife. She had cysts on her ovaries that would burst on a regular basis. And when they did, it was unbearable pain. So I've been told. Unbearable pain. And one day, she, she called me. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. I was living with somebody else. By this time, I know who God is, and I know who I am with God. There was no doubt. There was no more teenage boy who was unsure about who he was. By this time, I knew that if, like, I could walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. She called me, and she's bawling. She is in dire pain. She's like, will you please pray for me? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the pain. It hurts so bad. She's like, I just want the pain to stop. Please pray for me. And man, I felt, I felt like, oh man. You know, you see in the Bible where it says, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, right? Like Samson said, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he slew thousands of people with a jawbone. I get that. I get that because it's a, it's a frustration and an anger of the enemy, right? You're like, I'm tired of you. You have no power. According to my word, I have more power than you. He that is within me has way more power than you. And I, I just, I was like, honey, listen, I'm on the phone. I was on the phone, people, at somebody else's house, 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, listen to me. I said, I, all I can do is pray for you. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I believe that you're going to be healed. I was like, do you believe that? And she was like, yeah, I mean, she's bawling. I'm like, are you sure? Do you believe that? She's like, I believe that. I was like, all right. Here we go. And I begin to war. I begin to rebuke the enemy and I begin to war. And it was because I was so frustrated and angry with the enemy for messing with mine. We weren't even married yet. But I knew that she was mine. And I was like, you're not going to be taxing this woman that will be mine. And I mean, I'm talking, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking to the enemy, supposedly a powerful being. But at that moment, I was not worried about him. I understand how David felt. I understand. Who are you? You're nobody. And you will stop this now. And I, and I prayed and I said, amen. Now watch this. Because we're human beings, right? It's all said and done and the, the, the big moment had came down to a, a, a low and I was like, amen. Are you healed? I mean, you know what I mean? Like I was like, are you okay? And she didn't say nothing. And I'm like, Amanda? And she's weeping. I'll never forget it. She's weeping. And she's like, I have no pain. The pain is gone. It's 4 o'clock in the morning, guys. 3 a.m., 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm, I'm praising God. 
later my cousin came to me he said bro listen i understand that you're doing god's work and everything but i'm gonna need you not to be that loud in the, early in the morning i got kids and i was like my bad but back to the phone call this is all i knew i had seen people heal people before on this magnitude right and so i said you know what you have another doctor's appointment? And she was like, yeah, actually, I have one soon coming up. I said, I want you to have them check you to see if you're healed. She was completely healed. Listen to me. If you understand and know, and maybe you don't, men, right? But the way the female body works is, is those, those things, they burst and they cause scar tissue. Scar tissue that is visible on ultrasounds. And it can, it can get, it can like collect and cause issues over time. One of those issues is no kids. No kids. I've got five. I've got five. I'm telling you my story, my testimony of the power of God. I don't even know, I don't even know why. I, you know, I do know why. God just, because there, there are people who are skeptical. And I understand, and that's what I wanted you to know. That's not what I wanted you to That's what God wanted you to know. Because I really didn't know why that I needed to share all of that with you. But God wanted you to know that this is a real thing that happened to real people. And you know what? The enemy still does not stop. He still doesn't stop messing with me. He still calls into question what I know. Are you sure it's going to work this time? Are you sure they're going to look at you? You're crazy. Oh, there you go, doing that weird thing again. People ain't going to come to your church. I know what I know. I know what I know. I'm 42 years old. Ain't no going back now. You will see, Pastor Dwayne, I'll be a little bit timid sometimes. But when I feel my backing come in, I don't care who's here. Yeah. As he was sharing my testimony, um, Y'all have to put yourself in someone's shoes. When he's sharing that, for 10 years, I had that pain every month, and I watched the doctors look at my ovaries and saw that tar scar tissue and them tell me I would never have children. Look at your children. You would never have children. They're a blessing in your life. I was told I'd never have that. My mom had four, and I always wanted four kids. I was told never by physicians who know what they're doing. I don't know anything about medicine. So when somebody prays for me and I go in and I didn't know the Lord a year prior to that time. I didn't get saved till I was 23 years old. So if you put yourself in my shoes in the places that I was in before I was 23 and told I would never and I was married before, 
and tried for four years to have kids. And I go in when he tells me and God proves his faithfulness because I made a choice to follow him. And I'm whole. I'm looking at it. I'm seeing my ovaries whole again. You got to put yourself there when your mind is set for so many years that you would never be able to be whole. And then two weeks after we're married, I'm pregnant. And again and again, every nine months, God does it. And why does he do that? (laughs) He does that so he can get the glory, so he can get the honor. Because two kids wouldn't cut it. Yeah, maybe it was whatever. Five kids, they're walking here today. And they're touched by God. I'm so blessed because of my choice to follow him and allow the Holy Spirit to move. When people are talking to you, share your testimony. I don't care how big or small it is. It's your testimony that is going to save their life so that they can know him. When he shared that, God didn't get enough praise for what I had to go through. And what he did for me is insanely incredible. It's a miracle. And we don't give him enough honor and praise for every one of you who is a miracle in this room. You are a miracle. The things you've walked through, I focus over here because I know your testimony. And man, it's incredible. I've never been through it. But man, what God has done and what he's going to do when you share with all those people the things you've gone through. Just praise him every day. Listen, she just said something. She said, she said, I was made whole. And God spoke to me right there. He said, he said, there's some people out here today that need to be made whole. Hear me. There's some people out here today that need to be made whole. That may be, that may be, you know, you may need some healing. You may need, you may need healing of the heart. You need to be made whole. If you, if you already came up here and, and that's fine, that's fine. But I'm, I'm saying right now that I believe there's somebody I know. I don't believe I know. I know that there's somebody out there right now who is in need of healing. There's somebody out there in need of physical healing and I'm, now, it's, it's unfair, I know, I know, right? Somebody is thinking probably, oh, that's unfair because he knows. He knows there's people out here that need healing. No. I'm telling you, there's somebody out here right now that God wants to heal. There's somebody in this crowd right now that God wants to heal. And I believe you know who you are. Physically, there's somebody in this crowd that God wants to heal and you know who you are. Now listen to me. There's some emotional. There's some emotional. You've been you've been torn down. It may not be physically, but you've been you've been ripped apart. I see like slashes, just like slashes across your heart. 
You've been ripped apart. You know who you are. This I don't know for a fact. If you know that you are in dire need of healing in your heart, come up and let us pray with you, please.